Burnless Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is Lord of the Flies by William Golding, which was published in 1954. Also, we have a guest today, and it is Micah Clements. He was on our show previously when we talked about The Giver. So let us welcome Micah. Hi. Did I say your last name right? Or did I do a weird, like, Foo Fighters kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the Christopher Walken. Wait, I don't know this Foo Fighters thing. You know, Christopher Walken, when he introduced Foo Fighters, like this internet joke, he was like, and now... Foo Fighters, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm also doing that wrong, but I feel like I like um, did the accent weird on your last name. I mean, I, it feels like impossible to say Foo Fighters any other way now. That feels <laughs> that feels like more accurate. I didn't, I can't remember if you said it right. It's just, it's just Clements. That's it. Okay, perfect. perfect. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hi, um, I, I'm uh, burn this book super fan returning. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. back. Boom. Yes. Yes. So, boom, yeah. Boom. Why and did he reached you wanna... out to us? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. He reached out to us and he said, I want to talk about Lord of the Flies. Yeah. <laughs> what about it? Um yeah, what about why? it? Oh, yeah, man. what about There's it a... made you wanna want to be like, Oh, I want to be a guest for this book. Like well, you were aggressive about it, Micah. Just I, was, I was really, really forceful. Um, yeah. So many no. emails. <laughs> so many lines of communication. Um, yeah. No. That. Um, no. I. I. My experience with this book was we read it in tenth grade, and I was so bad at reading books for school. Like I did. I, I must have done less than half of the assigned reading in, in high school. Which is weird because I'm also the person that like English class was made for. Like I like all of the discussions, <laughs> and this is the book that taught me that because I like read the book, and then when my teacher was like, "See, this is symbolism," and I was just like, "Heck yeah, symbolism! <laughs> I'm all about this." Um, I just remember having a blast reading it, and I remember finishing it and being like, "This is um, that was so um." visceral and immediate and i felt so i mean i just was i was really bowled over by the book uh much as one character gets bowled over by a large boulder um but um and um and i was uh and as i was reading it yeah i just i really loved it and then um and then I ended up using that. Um, I took like AP classes in high school, not to brag, but um, <laughs> but I took I took I took AP Lang and AP Lit, and the, like you, you're supposed to read books in that class in those classes, respectively, to teach you like to be like, okay, use this on one of the essays. And then I didn't use any of the books that we were assigned. I just used Lord of the Flies for both of the essays that I ended up having to write for those classes. And Stop. like, and I, I did. I just used Lord of Flies both times. I was like, yeah, I'm, I know, what, I know how to talk about that book. So anyway, <laughs> I was just really into it as a kid. So yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. I personally didn't like this book when I read it first that's... in high school. In te- it was like, I think it was my freshman year that we read it, um, and I remember just being like, this is so dumb. And I was so mad. Also, I'm trying not to use that word either. This I'm using so much ableist language. This is so frustrating and um, disappointing. 
Yeah. And I was like, can we just keep doing these Lost Boys books, Humanity? Let's just keep going. And I was really mm-hmm. disappointed. And then my younger sister really loved it. And so mm-hmm. that kind of gave me a different perspective. And this last read really changed my mind. I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I really, really liked it. I thought it was really interesting and really smart. And I, I feel like I barely scratched the surface of understanding everything that William Golding was trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, Eden, what was your experience? Um, I actually remember you not liking it, Nicole, because that was one of our <laughs> first conversations when we met each other freshman year of college. Yeah, it's big part of my personality was because I, <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was because I remember talking about it and like really loving. <laughs> I came to the table really loving Lord of the Flies, and I still do. Um, I think Simon <laughs> Simon was like my favorite character um, throughout like throughout high school because like yeah. oh I love Simon Simon's great I wish I was like Simon uh except for the dead part yeah oh my uh, gosh spoiler alert such a good point uh, an important clarification that's really true uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and then yeah and I still I still loved it this time this time I listened to the audiobook that William Golding narrated himself no yeah. that yeah. was an option that revealing was that he could revealing that he can read as well as write, which is so uh-huh. cool. That's yeah. double threat. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Can I give some little background that I didn't know about yes. this? Yes. That was really do. cool. So this book was written almost as a satire of a very popular children's book at that time. Maybe oh. you guys already knew this. Mm-hmm. Um the book was called The Coral Island. Mm-hmm. And it was a tale of the Pacific Ocean. And it was a Scottish book. Um, by author R.M. Ballantine, and it just talks about these three boys who are marooned on a island in the South Pacific, and they it has a lot of like imperialism. Christianity creates um, civility, kind of energy, and they just Whoa. have these really beautiful adventures. Um, and it's in the genre, which I didn't even know this was a genre. It's called Robinsonade. Yeah, meaning to mean, to mean like Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. yeah, so there's a whole genre of people being marooned mm-hmm. <laughs> and just the adventures that come on it. And William Golding read that book and he was like, this is stupid. Gosh, <laughs> stop with these words. This this is, um, unrealistic. This is unrealistic is yeah. what his whole stance was. He told his wife, he was like, I want to write a book about children what would happen if children were actually children mm-hmm. and they were all maroon in this space. And so it's more dystopian and it is a play on the Coral Island, which I now want to read the Coral Island and compare because a lot of his characters, he even steals from the Coral Island and kind of remakes them. Which That's is really, interesting. really interesting. And it was also his first book and yeah. he's oh. now he's deemed as he's written like, I think more than 15 fiction works of fiction it's very cool. he's deemed as one of the greatest uh british authors of all time and one of the most important fiction writers um from like 1900 to 2005 there's like yeah. weird obscure lists <laughs> that they're like really <laughs> tearing people into um <laughs> but that was really interesting yeah and he took away the imperialism and the christianity bits and was just like what would actually society would do so he must have a little bit of a darker read on society then Valentine, so, which is interesting. 
that makes sense. I'm the, something that I don't think I picked up on the first time that I was, I took, I took notes. I was writing notes Love down because um, I uh, like to do that. And um, one of the, I, I was picking up more political messaging this time than I did when I was uh, surprise, surprise than when I read it and I was 15 or whatever. So right. I, um, I, yeah, there's, it, there is like interesting things where, um, in like um in one of the chapters yeah in chapter two um um jack says we're not savages we're english and the english are best at everything um and um and and then later that same character um puts paints his face with the colors of the british flag is not happy with the colors washes them off and then paints his face with the colors of the nazi flag um so like uh and then he's like i'm awesome now and like that's like the face paint that he has like from the rest of the book so anyway i don't know like there's stuff i just didn't i did um I was I was just like paying attention to it because I'm like I don't know it seems like there's a lot of intentionality going into uh, yeah. in, in a way that is the book moves so well and is so breezy yeah. that you don't need to ga- grasp all of this to have a good time and to like appreciate yeah. the book for what it is but um, I think William Golding was doing a lot of uh, really interesting things I don't know. yeah that's really cool can we uh, do a let's summary? do a summary yeah oh oh yeah, yeah. oh my goodness. Holy cow. Who wants to do the summary? <laughs> I'll do a quick, a really quick one. And if you yeah. guys okay. want to fill in. Um, so supposedly there's this disaster. We don't really know what it is, but I learned. Oh, is that, we'll talk about it later. Um, right. There's a disaster. And um, the only people that survive are these boys. And they are marooned on an island, which you could have gathered from what we talked about earlier. And, um, and, uh, immediately they set up like a system and there's each character kind of has a different role and they set up a system where they're like, we need to survive. We need to have a smoke signal up. And there was like another one. I don't remember the third rule. We need to eat. Yeah, we need to eat. And, um, so they have these rules and it's going great. And then chaos kind of ensues as different people take on leadership roles and start to become an anarchic. I don't know. Um, and they just start infighting and children die and they create like an evil beast that they're all afraid of. And it unites some of the children against others. And that beast is the Lord of the flies. And, um, there's, it's just, it gets the people become their most base selves, the people, the, the boys and they're prepubescent. It seems like they're tweens and younger. Mm. And, um, yeah, they become their most base selves, and even and then they end up getting rescued at the end. And even the rescuer, like there's like shame there at seeing what these boys have become, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's like the story. <laughs> so for me, I was like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of really important details. But we'll get into them as we talk more. I'm sure. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that struck me this time around too was um, I kind of think that this is a book that is a tragedy of manners and that there's so many instances where William Golding is not 
he's not satisfied with just being like, yeah, they just started slowly becoming evil. He like details the specific instances in which characters slip or conversations in which like for a little while. And it's strange to think about this at the end of the book with where things go, which I really want to talk about at the end of the book. Cause I like love it so much, but um, the, um, but Jack and Ralph start as friends. Like yeah. they are like at the beginning, like they, like it's clear that they really admire each other. And like, they're like, they're hanging out. And like, it's interesting that Ralph's the idea of, it's almost presented to the reader as though like, well, the gang of main characters is going to be Jack, Ralph or Ralph, Jack and Simon. And then like, like the character, the main characters shift because like Jack becomes more and more wild and I'll say it evil and, um, and like, um, and, and piggy becomes like one of the main characters at that point, essentially like shifting his like into, I don't know. It's interesting. The book is very interested in detailing how relationships shift. Um, and there's in like seeing, the actual instance of Jack's breaking off of his relationship with Ralph is um, because Ralph doesn't like, won't apologize to Jack mm-hmm. for like embarrassing him in front of everybody because of the fire. And I don't know. I'm just, I just, I'm really, really interested by that. That's mm-hmm. like, I don't, um, it's, it's like a, it's a surprisingly sophisticated it's a very sophisticated novel for a novel in which like kids end up murdering each other, like on a beach. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a very great mirror of society, obviously, but mm-hmm. in that relationship uh, between Jack, Ralph and Piggy, like typically mm-hmm. like a good leader doesn't actually know what he's doing. He, he usually has someone next to him. who's like, mm-hmm. Hey, we, we should actually do this or that. And that was Piggy. Um, mm-hmm. And so like losing Piggy throughout the uh, in the book, um, Ralph kind of like loses his way as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, he suddenly doesn't have any of his strategic mind like because he he was able to. I mean, he's just like a better speaker than any of the other people on the island. And that's, and it turns out that ends up being like a really, he has poise. And that mm-hmm. is something that we as humans care a lot about. But um, it, uh, it is a tragedy because like you is the, re- especially, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but I You're am, not, Micah. I'm enjoying I am, every word. I am really, I'm really sensitive this happens. I don't know why I'm like this, but I, in every single piece of media, when there is somebody who is overweight and gets picked on for being overweight, it like breaks my heart. And that, and it, and it wasn't, I, I've been that way for a while, but it's like only gotten, I've only gotten more sensitive to it as time has gone on. And, um, it feels to me like the, in some ways, the earliest chapters are the hardest to read because of that, because mm-hmm. it, um, like they become more violent and things get scarier, like more overt. But the very beginning of the island feels to me like it was, it could have been like, this could be documentary footage of these kids yeah. like on an island. And I'm like, I, and it's, uh, and so it kind of, it breaks your heart to see the protagonist like betray. I mean, he's called piggy the rest of the book because he tells everybody that's what his name is. And it's like, we never find out what piggy's name is. We don't. Yeah. 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 So, anyway. He does also seem like the morality, like the 
he represents a sense of morality to me. And when he dies, it's like, oh, there is no hope for these kids. Mm-hmm. And it's at that point, like, there's already a lot of that, like, heartbreak throughout. But the second Piggy dies, it's like, oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. We, like, there's no chance. That's how it felt to me. Um, and the other thing that, like, I really thought about a lot is just that idea about fear and how important fear was as a character mm-hmm. to the point where the embodied fear within, like, the, what was the head? The pig's head? The pig head? head, yeah. The pig head on a stick yeah. and there's flies all over it. It's very Beelzebub energy, like very mm. satanic kind of vibes. And um, and that represents the beast or mm. the, you know, of what they're fearing and what they're also worshiping and giving right. sacrifice to in order to keep calm. And it's just, it's like over the last um, five years, we've seen longer than that. Over the last 10 years, we've seen the impact of fear. Mm. I think. Yeah, and how big of a driver it is for people to um, let go of rationality and move forward. Eden and I just did recorded a podcast about the satanic panic and how fear put a lot of people in jail without any evidence Mm -hmm. and, well, in prison. And they, like, there are real-life consequences to choosing fear over the goodness of humanity. And I, I just feel like this is so interesting how... Yeah, fear was the tool that motivated all these kids to unite against other kids and mm-hmm. kill them. <laughs> yeah, and it's no, just like sure. yeah, and it it makes me very. It's just such a powerful drug, and I really underestimate it. But right, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how like this like they start talking about the beast being like, okay, um, we've seen the island. There's just no way that something else lives on this island that's not pigs. Yeah. Like that's it would be crazy mm-hmm. if there was. And, but immediately, uh, like very quickly, like Jack turns the messaging to like, I'll hunt the beast. And like, Mm -hmm. by giving credence to somebody's fears, they feel like they are being listened to, even though they're actually being taken advantage of. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. um, like it's, um, this fear is being immediately like twisted and weaponized. And we, I mean, you were just mentioning that, but like, we can see that um, happen all the time um, on like uh, news cycles or social media. Like it's uh, really nuts. So, yeah. 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 And with the Nazi thing that you're bringing up, um, mm-hmm. that was like the best, one of the biggest tools and best tools to drive the Holocaust. Yeah. And we see that today with the fear that of different, um, marginalized populations in the mm-hmm. u.s and other places where yeah fear is just weaponized to, to unite a group of people and i just think as human beings if we're going to be literate and fair and just in our um judgments on our political system mm-hmm. and our politicians we need to be very aware of does this person make me feel fear Mm-hmm. Does this person mm-hmm. incite fear? Does this person say that they will solve my fear? Is this person using fear, whether it's real or fabricated? Are they using fear to win my trust? And I think that that is a very simple question that we can use when we're going to the polls. Because if they are, there is something wrong. For 100%. sure. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the difference between being able to be reactionary or proactive, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if... um it's more complicated for, I mean, by like mentally, it's more complex to be proactive as opposed to be reactive. But it also like, if you look at the happiest people in the world and they're like, oh, like they're making decisions that about things that they want to do and then pursuing yeah. those goals. 
as mm-hmm. opposed to being like, I need to watch out for bad people that are going to hurt me. It's like, if that's the main yeah. thing that's driving you, um, yeah. as it drives our characters further and further into the novel. So mm-hmm. yeah. further and further in there. Yeah. <laughs> pages. And very yeah. on topic of our podcast, like books inciting or parents pointing to books as objects of fear. Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, Oh, just that I was, I was diligent and I did not look up um, the reason why it was banned, but I can, I can think of a few. (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah. Uh, I have a question for both of you as you are both lovers of this novel. Hmm. Why? um, Like when you first read it, Micah kind of touched on it, but was there a specific part of the book or like, what about it stuck with you to the point where you were like where Eden, it did bother you or you were aware and you remembered that I don't like it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and Micah, what about it was like, wow, this covers everything. I'm just curious if you guys could both go into more of that because I just didn't experience any of that. My first read. No. Yeah. Eden, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Um, for me, I, uh, so it was, it was on Simon. Um, I think Simon being the, it's odd. Cause like, I think he gave me a lot of feeling of hope uh, that there is good, like pure goodness in the world, mm. even though like they end up killing him <laughs> yeah, out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like a, it was like a moment of like asp- aspiring to be a Simon in my life or something like that of wanting to emanate goodness wanting to recognize um, the the fear and uh, the fear that drives people. Um, and like, I think recognizing the fear that drives people also makes you more empathetic to them. Um, mm. So referring back to that mm. episode that we were recording about the satanic panic um, and Dungeons and Dragons, that was the connection to yeah. a book. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't listened to it, listen back. I don't know which one of these will be released first. Probably yeah. this one. We'll see. Just prep. Prep for it. Prep for, prep for our D&D episode. Awesome. Um, but essentially, like, we we couldn't fault the parents to uh, about for being afraid of D&D, right? Because, like, mm. taking the, the environment that they were growing up, it, that they were parenting in, like, daycares mm-hmm. were relatively new. Um they're coming from serial killer era <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and cults. Yeah. Um, and then this like, yeah. And then this unknown thing that their kids are suddenly into, it's like, Oh, what the heck is this? Yeah. So you couldn't really fault them. But I think, um, I think where, where we are falling apart is like the community lack of communication of, um, yeah. Like with banned books, um, with Simon coming down the mountain, trying to be like, "Hey, actually, the beast yeah. isn't real. It's a parachute. A guy who was parachuted down and died." Right. Um, but instead of like listening to Simon as a, as a voice of goodness um, and like desire to bridge a misunderstanding, um, out of fear, the boys just killed him. So I think. Simon, <laughs> a lot of my love for this book hinges on Simon, That's which is interesting. interesting. I love that. Yeah. And it does, it checks out for you. And I also like that angle that it's as aspirational also. Like yeah. You didn't identify with Jack. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, head of the choir, choir boy leader? Okay. He can hit a high C. 
Yeah. <laughs> he can hit a high C. He can hit a high Which, C. That yeah. makes him a leader. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Micah, about you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I thought at the time, I, I, I really did jive with, I don't know, like my my teacher at the time, Mr. Rhodes, was uh, doing a good job talking about like how the book is working on multiple levels of symbolism. And I got into the idea of the book as like a, a piece of art. But I think the thing that really drew me in was just, um, and I really love um, thriller and horror material today. And I feel like um, Lord of the Flies is incredible thriller material in that it lays out the groundwork and the thing that I think sets a thriller apart from other, like I say, a fantasy story is that um, often other stories will continually expand in their scope and thrillers at a certain point start to constrict their scope and start the Mm -hmm. objectives of characters start to become more and more simple. And that's scary because you're like, actually maybe there's, Maybe I need to compromise my goals because it, and and so at first it's like, we need to get rescued and all of us can get rescued. And then it's like, actually, maybe we just need to like try and not murder each other. And then it's like, maybe, okay, well, Simon's dead and now. Spoiler alert to people who are uh, reading Burn This Part. All they do Lord is of, spoiler alert. Oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, Simon's dead. Okay, I guess um, we just got to keep the remaining four kids that are not part of Jack's tribe alive, and then one, like two of them, get taken, and it's very that's very scary in its own uh, way. And then, um, and then when Piggy dies, like that's when to me I realize I'm like this is like not I didn't like that Piggy died because it's very tragic and all, and I was writing some notes about that, but when Ralph is by himself and hiding in the forest and running towards the beach and the island is on fire, like that is like the stakes have been raised and simplified. Like he's just like, actually it's just about you. You have to go, you're going to die, run. And like, and that's um, on an enjoyment level of thriller material. Like that is dynamite. Like that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. And I um, like, so like that's not um maybe that's not sophisticated but I remember reading it as a 15 year old and I was like um this rules <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. um and I and like I feel like a lot of the complaints about books that you read in high school is like this is boring and I'm like I just don't I can't see an argument I, somebody can argue that it's too grim but I don't think somebody could argue Lord of the Flies is boring no but yeah, that, that that would be a tough I think that would be a tough one to sell so yeah yeah, yeah. That it's is, got everything. Are... Choir boys. It's got choir. It's got <laughs> choir boys. They show up in their choir uniforms, and they're like, one of them. I think Simon passes out like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, we should take this off. <laughs> um, um, si- Simon's a real one for that. He's just like, we really shouldn't be wearing choir uniforms on a tropical island or probably elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love that. Thank you both for answering yeah, my question. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a another interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. The original manuscript of this book mm-hmm. was detailed a really intense nuclear disaster mm-hmm. um, where all of society was like destroyed except for these boys. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it went through a series of edits and people were like, this is so ridiculous. We can't deal with this like 
the whole nuclear bomb thing is ridiculous. All of this is ridiculous. And so William Golding had to go through tons and tons of edits. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's interesting because he did have it to me that has like more of a Kurt Vonnegut energy. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Whenever I think of yeah. like atomic, what anything. Sure. Post World War II science. I am always like, that's very Kurt Vonnegut to me. But um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that would have changed our read on the book if we had had more of that chunk in there or if it would have kept the read the same. We do get a, li- we, it, a little bit. Some of it is there because um, yeah. Piggy's like, didn't you hear there was an atom bomb? Yeah. Um, and so we do have, and it's one of the things that makes the book so interesting and, and work so I don't know. It's a mm-hmm. really it's a tight balance. Is that Piggy is sort of the most um, mentally there of like the yeah. kids in terms of like uh, being able to like remember stuff. And so it is interesting that like Ralph is disturbed by him saying that and being like considers for a second that his dad maybe is dead, and then mm-hmm. he's like, mm, I can't think about that. And then like Ralph just like stops <laughs> thinking about it, mm-hmm. and that feels like accurate to the fact like yeah, I mean it is a story about. I mean there are lots of children who are good at shelving something in their mind and being like that's too hard. Can't do that. It's a real thing. Oh no, for sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. like I have. I, I grew up with the opposite problem where like if somebody were to say that, I'd be like, well now I'm not going to be able to think about anything else. <laughs> um, which I don't. I don't think that's healthy for kids either. So I, like I don't want kids to be yeah. like me, but. Um, but it is i i love all of the adults i love um so in at the end of chapter 5 is when he ralph is talking to the new cast of the protagonists because it's like mm-hmm. okay jack is definitely not one of the protagonists and he's talking he refers ralph refers to he piggy and simon as three blind mice which is um cute and sad and he um uh he writes or he you know he's he, the, the chapter ends with him being like i wish they could send us a sign like that people outside could communicate with us and that's when the man in the parachute who's dead shows up and it feels like william golding being like adults don't have this figured out here's what yeah. they've got figured out they're killing each other out there on just yeah. a more organized scale than you guys have figured yeah. out yeah. and it's, I mean, in their, oh, spoiler alert again to, to people <laughs> who are listening to this, um, the end of the book is, um, I mean, the end of the book is Titanic. It's so good. Um, it's like, he's, <laughs> the, 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 they are burning down the, they're burning down the whole island, mm-hmm. which has been foreshadowed, or like in chapter two, because they accidentally start, start a way bigger fire than they were starting to. And something that I did not remember at all from when I first read it was that that's the first casualty in the book is mm-hmm. the one kid with the birthmark on his head disappears and we are left to assume he probably just got lost in that fire and um mm-hmm. like early in the book um and anyway I, so like when we get to the end of the book and the, they're chasing Ralph the island is on, is on fire and it is because that island is on fire that the that a crew, like a warship notices them and mm-hmm. comes to pick them up. And there is this sad irony where you're like, okay, you guys are going to beds, but like you guys are being picked up in the middle of a, I, I always, when I read it, assumed that world war three was happening. 
while they were yeah. on this island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, original manuscript said it was the middle of a nuclear war. Right. It was very detailed. There was supposed to be like a whole half of the book was supposed to be the war. Whoa. Yeah, and it was oh, all wow. taken out. Yes. Dang. I mean, it would yeah. be interesting. I imagine it probably mm-hmm. is better the way it is, but uh, that is, <laughs> yeah. it's cool. It's cool that he knew that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I don't know. I, I love, I love those allusions to like mm-hmm. every, it it feels like that is the kind of stuff that stops it from being, it, it, if somebody could read Lord of the Flies and be like, kids are messed up. And it's, and I feel like William Golding is trying to say, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, this is us. We're on this island. And this, and like, just to remind you that adults haven't got it figured out, like here, like every yeah. sign that they get from the outside is like, um, just adults uh, are doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, to be bleak, <laughs> <laughs> sure. look at the state of the world today, you know? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but there yeah, still are Simons out there. There are still yeah. Simons out there trying to bridge the gap of understanding yeah and and it's interesting because i i know that some people had well i don't know i i think that some people might have had issues with the book because it is only about boys Mm. um so that is my guess at it but in my copy of the audio book uh william golding said i didn't write about girls because i didn't grow up a girl so I don't know how girls work. <laughs> I know how boys work. And he just like very bluntly was like, yeah, I know boys can be like this. Like boys will pick up a name like Piggy and then just incessantly mm-hmm. call a kid Piggy. Yeah. Um, right. Or like more uh, boys recognize each other's at us. So like Jack and Ralph's initial mm-hmm. attraction to each other is like, oh, I see you. You're a strong, attractive boy like me too. Mm-hmm. And you're a leader, and I'm a leader too. Um, right. And so that that is why William Golding wrote it wrote it as boys. Um, but yeah, and, and for me, on a, another level, it's like, well, maybe if girls ruled the world, we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't kill a bunch. We of wouldn't be do in the the state that the world is in right now, rather than like, yeah, just a bunch of boys running around and being like, um. But the meat, we yeah. need meat. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is true. It does feel like everybody is talking about like, but I gave you meat. And it's like, wow, that's actually not that important right now. There's lots of, I, I, it's so funny that fruit has been available like all the time on the island. He's like, yeah, but I mean, fruit meat. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like, like they don't need me. They're doing fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just funny. <laughs> um yeah i actually i had a question um did i so i don't have any children um but eden you have a kid and i was just wondering since this is this is read through you do have a kid did that change your impressions of the book at all Mm. (laughs) funnily enough the only thing i'm thinking about when i was reading the book that was related to kids right because i'm expecting a boy um is whether or not any of these names <laughs> i could use awesome that's great i love that so i'm just like ralph ralph's a good character ralph's a good name ralph's a good man yeah. i wish i knew piggy's name because then i mean maybe we could do piggy's name so that was 
that's I love the that. only way I, I read love it that. as a parent. No, it's great. I um, I was also I was reading it, and like my nephew is named Jack, and I was just like, he can't read this. That's too. He'll <laughs> he'll get too much inspiration. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Micah, um, will you share more of your, your notes and your thoughts? I will. You can just kind of free verse this experience. <laughs> sure. Um, I wrote down some, I, I, some of them are just like phrases that I just, I think William Golding is such a talented writer. And so like, mm-hmm. I, so I would like sometimes read his prose and be like, this is just so lovely. Um, he describes Jack as his face was crumpled and freckled and ugly without silliness is just like, so like, he's like making sure that you're like, he wasn't making a silly face. He just looks like that. Um, And um, which is like, there's nothing endearing about this. This guy is not, he does not look cool. Um, uh, I, um, yeah, let's see more notes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the pause was only long enough for them to understand what an enormity the downward stroke would be. That's a quote from when Jack is about to kill, trying to kill the pig the first time. Mm. Um, uh, there's, um, oh yeah. In chapter three, I like love this detail. Jack had to think for a moment before he could remember what rescue was. He like Whoa. is told by Ralph. He's like, what about rescue? And Jack's like, um, Oh, there could be rescue, but like he'd even forgotten that early in the book about the possibility of what rescue was going. Um, he's so lost in it. Yeah, lost he's, in like, his yeah, he becomes game kind of thing he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the kids, I something I loved about the book is, and I wouldn't have remembered it, is that um, Golding acts as an omniscient narrator, which is not the style today at all. But Golding feels very comfortable moving from character to character in describing what they're doing, even if they're alone on the island. So like Golding is allowed to see whatever he wants the reader to see. Um, Mm. And there's a part in chapter four where there's uh, the really scary guy, Roger is following this kid, uh, like one of the youngins who uh, is playing around with these little fish in these small puddles. And the, there's this quote from the talking about the kid playing with the fish. And he says, he became absorbed beyond mere happiness as he felt himself exercising control over living things. Um, is, uh, yeah, just, uh, it's, I know there's a lot of bleak observations about the ways that kids act, but it just uh, also is just uh, written in a way that feels very wise. Um, mm-hmm. um I love there's, these quotes you're pulling. They're yeah, so good. yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying yeah, this. I love them. Um, there's uh, in chapter five. There's a scene where um, it's one of the conferences, and they're not called conferences, um, assemblies that they have. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it's one of the assemblies that they're having, and Piggy comes up with something. He's like the only thing that there is to be scared of is ourselves. Like we, like we could be a bad thing. And then later in the same thing, Simon says the same thing, and uh, and everybody is now listening to Simon. And Piggy is like, it, Piggy like cries out because he's like, I can't, like he doesn't say this, but like we, if you as the reader, you're like, Piggy did just say that, <laughs> um, and it is, uh, I I felt deep empathy for Piggy in that moment. Um, um, 
in chapter six, when we first go to the, the rock fort that they call a castle, um, that's like jutting out the side of the island. Um, it describes the flat rock down in the water that like sometimes is enveloped in water and sometimes isn't depending on the tide. It describes it as a table. Um, and that's the rock that, uh, piggy dies on. Um, mm. and it's just, uh, it makes it feel more like piggy is a sacrifice when yeah, he like dies. Like he's like, he, like, this is like an altar that piggy dies on for the island. Mm. Um, and then I, this will be the last thing. There's a thing I'm, I, I have it up on my, this isn't the last thing of the podcast. I'm just the last, I'll stop um, <laughs> doing whatever this I'm is. I'm loving. But, um, um, there's this interaction that really struck me in chapter seven. Ralph is, wa- they're, they're hunting the beast and, uh, mm-hmm. they haven't yet. Simon doesn't yet know that it's the, uh, parachute man, <clears throat> but they're walking and Ralph is, becoming more and more um, existential and realizing he's like, maybe we're never getting off this island. I don't know how to keep these people together. And he's like, has a lot of worry. And Simon says to him, you'll get back to where you came from. And, uh, and this is just, I was thinking about this also because eating, because you were bringing up how um, Simon is kind of the center of the book for you. And that makes a lot of sense to me because like he is all, he like does represent this generosity and goodness that so many of the other boys do not have inherently. Um, and it says Simon nodded as he spoke. He was kneeling on one knee. Um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Ralph was puzzled and searched Simon's face for a clue. It's so big. I mean, he's talking about the ocean. Simon nodded. All the same, you'll get back all right, I think so anyway. Some of the strain had gone from Ralph's body. He glanced at the sea and then smiled bitterly at Simon. Got a ship in your pocket? Simon grinned and shook his head. How do you know then? When Simon was still silent, Ralph said curtly, you're baddie. Simon shook his head violently till the coarse hair flew backward and forward across his face. No, I'm not. I just think you'll get back all right. For a moment, nothing more was said, and then they suddenly smiled at each other. Um, there's this, I, I just kept on noticing how often Ralph and the other boys are, they deflect any sincerity or any, like, sentimentality, and it feels like William Golding is like, this is going to kill us. Like, if we, like, if we can't look at each other in the eye and just be like, I think a good thing could happen to you, and I want that and not like joke about it. Like we've got to be able to do that like every once in a while or else we're going to die as a nation and as a world. Like, um, and like Simon is like, does represent like the cure there. And I like, I like seeing that Ralph struggles with that, but that like, I don't know. I felt as the reader, I was like, Oh, I hope he learns this. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. Cause in the original copy also that going back to it, um, there was like a a being kind of that would speak to Simon that oh, was cool. supposed to be God. Simon is supposed to be like the spiritual Whoa. um moral point of this group. And um and yeah, and when the being got edited out, let me tell you, like he has that's why he has all this like imaginary dialogue. Um with the Lord of the, the Flies. The Lord of the Flies, but even before that he would um let me find this note. He would talk to God and all the edits got so intense that William Golding eventually was just like, I don't even care. I can't even be objective about it. I don't even want to read it. Like he was mm. so upset about how sure. much he was edited out. 
um, because people were very, um, very, there was a lot of opinions by all the editors. Um, But where is it? Where is it? Um, Yeah, so there's like this figure that Simon interacts with who is never identified, but is implied to be God. And they had to remove that, like that figure from the whole story, which mm. also seems very British to me, TBH. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, but it is interesting. Like you're saying, there is a spirituality and a sincerity there mm. and this knowingness that, uh, almost like he's a prophet. And when they're looking over the ocean, that gave me like a Moses vibe, you mm. know, like very biblical, and, um, like you will get out of this, but, um, but he doesn't have any like evidence, but he just knows, um, I have a game for you both. I'm ready. It's just one question, but unless, um, but I'd like if Eden has something else to say, I don't want to. Okay. So there was an original title of the book oh. and people thought it was terrible. Do you know this already? No, okay, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm glad we're talking about this because I wanted to talk about the title and Nat, so this is a great segment. Okay, good. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to give you three options Okay. of what it is, and I want to hear what you guys think. All right. So my first option is A, Strangers from Within. Second option is Boys Will Be Boys. Third option is The Island of Boys. I'm going to guess it's if it's a bad one, I'm going to guess it's going to be... One of the, either B or C. Um, is it B? Boys will be boys. No. It's not B. No. Is it A? Yes. The original title was Strangers from Within. Hmm. Lord of the Flies. Which is like <laughs> oddly heavy, oddly not. The critique yeah. was that it was like, <laughs> she was like, it's too abstract. The editor, Miss Perkins, said it was too abstract and too explicit. At the same time. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. I, I, I was like a writer and that was my editor's feedback. I'd be like, what? Wow. What? What am I tight, supposed to do with that? You're, you're too yeah. tight, but you're also too loose. And yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Go, too gotcha. clear, too blurry. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I... I love the title. I love titles. I think about titles all the time. And I like love titles. Um, uh, sometimes there was be sometimes where I would supposed to be doing homework in college and I would just pull up an empty document, not do homework and just like write down, like what are cool titles that would make me interested in the thing? They were called this and just like write them down. Lord of the flies is one of the best titles. And one of the reasons is it's immediately interesting. Cause like, yeah. you hear like Lord of the flies and you're like, okay, like what's that about? And you're like, well, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of like boys and they're like being really mean to each other on an Island. And you're like, okay. And it's it's one of the best titles in that it's my it's my favorite kind of title in that it you do not know initially what to what it is referring to and it gains significance after you have finished the book. So like mm-hmm. when or 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 watch the movie or whatever it is. So like once you realize what Lord of the Flies is and that that is what he chose to call it, you're like, well, that gives this book strange new significance and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I love it. I love um, that. I love that. Um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. At first, when you said uh, uh, you had a game for us, Nicole, I, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a singing game for Choir Club. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> oh, right. That was the obvious direction, Eden. You're so right. 
That was the obvious direction. I have a singing game for you both. Uh-huh. <laughs> you really honed in on that choir boy detail. I did. And really I did. Took it far. That's so funny. Um, do we have guesses of why it was banned? Yeah, I've got I a think few. his kids were dying. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty violent. I actually, but here's the thing. Actually, I'm going to hedge my bets on this one. And this is um, because I think still families are still more scared by sex than violence. And so I'm going to guess there's a lot of naked boys. And I think that oh, they don't okay. like that. I'm, I'm going to guess that that bothered parents. It's I'm not sure. But. Okay. Yeah. There could yeah, for some... me, I think it's the the murdering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I also wonder if there's something about, like, allusions to indigenous life, and there's kind of a mockery of that, that, like, sa- the word savagery being used, and then they're kind of cosplaying um, mm. indigenous traditions once they reach that quote-unquote savage mindset. Mm. I don't like that word, but using it to describe right. No, but they yeah. do. But they use the word that word in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wonder um, if that also could be part of it too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a challenge in several locations. Sure, sure, sure. Let's see. Okay, <laughs> this one's interesting. Challenge in South Dakota. Oh no, no. Okay. Oh, this is just a this is just a timeline. Sorry, I'm orienting myself to what I'm looking You're fine. at. But in North Carolina, it was a challenge because the book is quote demoralizing in as much as it implies that man is little more than an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. People were just pretty vague and said inappropriate reading assignment. Uh, in Texas in 1984, quote, because of excessive violence and bad language. Mm. They do say um, bloody in it, yeah. They do. <laughs> yeah. Quite a bit. Oh, and when uh, when someone mentions, or Piggy has asthma, and the way they spell it out is asthma. Asthma, So there's yeah. ass in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a committee of the Toronto, Canada. Oh, so this is Can- Canada now. Oh, Interesting. Dude. 1988. They say that the novel is racist and recommended that it be removed from all schools. Um, I guess it's because of indigenous um, cosplay. I think that, mm, like. I think that, yeah. It, and then parents and members of the black community complained oh. about a reference to the N word in the book. Oh. Where? I don't remember that. I missed that. Um, wow, that's, that, that would be, yeah. That's fair, yeah. yeah. Which I guess also tells you different perspectives reading things will catch different things. And I think that's an important thing as well to have compassion for, you know? For sure. Um, let's see. In Iowa in 1992, it was challenged because of profanity, lurid passages about sex, which I don't remember, Whoa. and statements defamatory to minorities god women and the the disabled the the only i mean like there's a part where simon strokes um ralph's arm shyly but that's the Mm. only thing i get early in the novel by the way it was was like really really early on and i was like i don't know dude maybe people in the 70s were just different or like boys in the 70s were just different i wasn't like stroking a whole lot of people's arms but i don't know (laughs) 
but I but that's probably an individual difference. That's just me. I'm the weird one. Were there <laughs> um, were there things taken out? Yeah, I'm wondering. Is... Did we read a copy of this book that other people have read? I'm gonna check I... in these editions. No, it doesn't say. I wonder if so. Like you were talking about a lot about the original manuscripts, so I wonder if there were. But that was never published. In between. I wonder like, if some know? of this is implied stuff. I know mm. uh, at the there Maybe. is a frightening implication that I don't even I haven't fully figured out what it is it, what it is implying, but um, the characters Sam and Eric, the twins, um, they tell Ralph that Roger sharpened a stick at two ends, and they don't say anything more about it. But like that is supposed to imply something awful that was done to them that made them be like i guess we're part of jack's crew now um and it never and we never that's never explained to us and like ralph is like i'm too tired to understand what you're talking about but um which is for the best probably but like it is i don't know maybe parents read that and they're like i know exactly what it is i'm a huge pervert yeah i can't let let that my kid read that no maybe maybe there was implications that i didn't understand or that i didn't interpret um because i don't know the context for it i don't know but maybe there were just also wild implications like a complete misreading of the book i don't know yeah and maybe i need to reread <laughs> I, so. I, think, I think that it's i, I don't know I, I okay i have i have a burn this book question i just have a question okay. that, like for you guys to reflect on since you guys are the foremost experts on this podcast. Oh, um, on this yeah, podcast, yeah, you, you guys are. Do we know you guys, anything? No. Do we read? Yes. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, what I mean to say is that. Uh, do you feel like there have have you run into other books? Um, how many? Uh, like, it feels like when parents are challenging a book, or anybody is challenging a book, there is kind of. Uh, a lot of conjecture, a lot of wild, like this feels like par for the course that a parent is just like, yeah. And the part where like Satan had sex with somebody and you're like, what, what part of the book is that? And like, (laughs) I, it feels like parents are not as concerned with what is in the actual book than what, than how scared they are of the book. Yes. Um, So I guess my question is like, have you run into this before? Like, where are you like, or like, was that in like the thing that I just read? that the parents had problems with what was that even in here yeah yeah yes <laughs> and i think like <laughs> and i think in our very first episode nicole brought like a statistic or something about how um like most of the bands that are happening like a lot of them are unread by the people right who are banning them yeah um, so it is uh things taken out of context usually used as the the beasts that we're all trying to fight uh-huh. and because no one else has a greater understanding like a, a a comprehensive understanding of what this quote is taken from yeah. and they just assume that this book is all this quote mm-hmm. like there is an example of a poem that was banned and the way that the it was interpreted was that um and this was in the podcast things fall apart by ron john ronson, john so ronson. highly recommend it's like Sweet. season one 
the first um, episode, I think, episode is, yeah, one, the, I think. The, the title is uh, Dirty Books. Yeah. And mm. he gives the example that there is this poem that was interpreted as like, we should all just go out and sin. And for using like a Judeo-Christian term, mm-hmm. um, party, live frivolously, um, fornicate, all of those ideas. Mm-hmm. And the evangelical world kind of went up in arms. The poem's actual interpretation is these people all die. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and they, it is like a direct thing of like, you can't do that. You can't live this way. You need mm. to live with morality mm-hmm. and all these other things that like, that although society is turning that way, it will end up being the demise of society. So it's a, mm. it actually is like speaking or preaching according to an evangelical perspective. But right. they read it in the complete opposite way. Um, so there's like a lack of media literacy. I also think yeah. um, we get these like sound bites. Um, there's a book right now that we'll talk about later that is being blown up and um, it's a graphic novel and they're just posting one page and kind of passing it out to people. Whoa. And they've talked about it on Fox News and, and they're the not giving any context novel? for the rest of the book at all. And they're showing that this one page is like pornographic and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it <laughs> that we'll mm-hmm. get into later because I'm like, I do feel like books are getting a little too graphic for me right now. Um, uh, but like, but it's interesting because they're just showing that one page. Right. Yeah. No it's one's reading context. the whole book. And so, um, and yeah, I think passing it out. That's kind of pornographic of them to just I, like yeah. hand people a random bit. But I think that's the case when you're talking about fear. I think you just hone in on one tiny detail and blow it up. Because when mm-hmm. we do know the context of most people, most people are not afraid. Like, we shouldn't be afraid of most people. And most mm-hmm. things are really not as scary as they seem once you know the full story. Um, that's why literacy is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to answer your question. Yeah. And to be... Um, Absolutely, yes. I'm trying to be mindful of how I say this, but I, uh, at work, we learned about, um, literacy, uh, or uh, we're talking about accessibility in design, Hmm. um, and how to make designs accessible. And a lot of accessible design comes from the words that we write because like 60% of, okay, I got to fact check that because I think I've, I feel like I throw around. 60% 60% specifically. <laughs> but a majority of um, American adults have a literacy, have a literacy yeah, level yeah. of um, a reading level that, shoot, there's like a scale of it. But their reading level is at fourth grade. Right. And Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is maybe a touch tougher than fourth grade. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is a touch above fourth grade, then a lot of the books that are being banned and challenged are definitely way above that. Right. It's, that's such a, I, that's a really good point. I've, um, um, I'm, I'm going to quote Greg on this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Greg, mutual friend of Eden and Nicole and I's. Um, <laughs> father of one of our children i'm not gonna say whose um is uh the um he he said he asked do you think that 
art would be better if like do you think that art being better means less people like it like mm-hmm. it, and like does is arts increasing quality mean that um that it is by definition less ac- accessible i don't personally think that it's totally that i am also not blasting greg's opinion where he can't <laughs> uh, where he can't defend it love you greg um but the um <laughs> But like, but I think that's a really interesting thing to consider in that I think lots of art is written or created with the idea in mind that I'm like, I think people are as smart as I am. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that might not be true. And like, it might be received very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, yeah, I think about that with a lot of satire where like somebody writes a satire and they're like, I think people are going to get this. And people are like. Jonathan Swift, do you want people to eat people? And he's like, no, <laughs> the point is that you don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think about this a lot too. Um I met with this guy in Denver who started the folklore center here. His name is Harry Tuff. It's like the second folklore center in America. It was a really big deal. He hung out with the coolest people. And this is a true thing. He like introduced Joan Baez to the Beatles. And he Whoa, thought awesome. that Bob Dylan was a loser. <laughs> he, he was a but, little bit. Yeah. Up, but that's okay. But his whole thing is that the reason why folk music is so important is because it communicates at the most, um, is that is because it creates community and yeah. it communicates to that's every cool. single person. And that, that is the purpose that if art cannot help bring community and create community, then it's not very, it's not, there's no value to it in his mm-hmm. mind. That's why folk music. Yeah. That's why he really tried to create like the folklore center to bring, get, gather people and why folk music is such a simple form of communication mm-hmm. that everyone at the most base level can understand what this person's trying to say. And, um, so I, I tend to lean on that person's perspective. I think that things mm-hmm. that are community building are, are good. And I don't know yeah. what I mean by good, but I just mean that they are good. <laughs> I don't have like a beautiful definition for that, but I wonder if that applies to paintings or, and I don't know where that fits in with books, but I do think like Toni Morrison, I always bring her up, but she's he- like, her books are heavy, Yeah. but you can still understand the story and the story in and of itself is so human that it builds compassion. And I think. Lord of the Flies is tricky because it doesn't necessarily build compassion, but it feels relatable at the same place. Yeah. You know, I mean, and maybe it does build compassion. I don't know. But for me, it, like, really, it wasn't like a book where I was like, I feel like I want to understand everybody. It was more like, I feel aware of myself a lot uh-huh. more, which is equally important in my opinion. Well, I, well, I do like, and, and I think that's a really good point. Okay. I, I, my thought is swirling of heads, it's swirling, swirling my my thought is swirling of heads. I'm so sorry yeah. I said that. That's funny. Okay. What I mean to say is, um, one, I, uh, when I said that I was smart earlier, I was pretending to be an artist who was making something. I don't actually think right, I'm smart. Right. So r- listeners, don't you <laughs> dare I think I'm smart. Think and don't, smart. And don't think, you, don't think that I think I'm smart. I think um, the, um, um, the second thing I am not going to be able to be on because uh, you guys are going to get a better guest for this, but on the beloved episode, but I just want to say beloved by Toni Morrison rules so hard. And I love that book. Um, yeah. but, um, and people don't say you were saying how t- like there is still a story that Toni Morrison is telling. And it's absolutely true. 
the thing that people won't say about Beloved, it's a ghost horror story. It's yeah. nobody mm-hmm. nobody leads with that, but I'm like, that's how you should sell it to people. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's spooky um, It's spooky. It's, yeah. it's yeah. really good. It yeah. is. It's immensely satisfying, and is like, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. a, a, a masterpiece. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing, but about like art being accessible and building community. I love that. And I like, I often think about art as communication is like, how is this, how, like, how is somebody else? Like, what does this mean to somebody who that is not me or that is not the artist or whatever? And I, that's one of the reasons. And I think I, I like to forego. I don't really like to call things bad because I think a lot of that is like based off of interpretation. I think one of the reasons why Lord of the Flies is great, like other great works, is that I think it is accessible on multiple levels. Like, Same. I think that, like, somebody could approach Lord of the Flies, and if they didn't get anything out of it, they would be like, I feel like I was engaged the entire time. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I don't, like, they, like, it wasn't, and, and then as soon as, like, you go just a little bit deeper, you're gonna be like, oh, I think I understand a little bit more, and then, like, there's lots of, I think, great works of art can be pulled apart and interpreted in very different ways and um yeah and i think it it, and it 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 achieves that and also it is accessible on a surface level like i feel like it is it i feel like and this is weird to call it this but i think it is accurately a crowd pleaser in that it (laughs) is like oh this is like I don't know. It's a book that really crazy, interesting stuff happens um, on a physical level as well yeah. as an emotional and mental one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree so. with that. This ties in pretty well to William Golding's epilogue in the audiobook. Oh, uh, where basically he was just like, uh, a lot of people ask me what this book is about. Uh, there's so many interpretations of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to choose between them. And he says, Make your own choice. Mm. Uh, all of these interpretations contradict each other, the various choices. The only choice that really matters, the only interpretation of the story, if you want one, is your own. Mm. Not your teachers, not your professors, not mine, not a critics, not some authorities. The only thing that matters is, first, the experience of being in the story, moving through it. Then, any interpretation you like. If it's yours, then that's the right one, because what's in a book is not what an author thought he put in it. It's what the reader gets out of it. Mm. Oh, I love that. I think yeah. that's the thing. It should be able to stand on its own. It should have, and I think that that's hard to do. It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. do. I have a fact check um, for you about the stat. So yes. Oh, yes. Um, this was a Gallup poll from 2020. So it might not be the most accurate. I mean, the most recent, but this is the most recent I could find. Um, about 130 million adults in the U.S. have low literacy skills. That means um, more than half of Americans between the ages of 16 and 74, that's 54% of Americans, read below the equivalent of a sixth grade level. So, mm-hmm. um, and I would argue Lord of the Flies is, we all read it in high school, right? So I don't yeah. know what level the ALA deems it, but um, if 54% of Americans can't um can't understand above a sixth grade level um it's highly stressful not good i would say yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and i think that's why these type of things are important and i would i would um i would challenge our 
listeners or to to help build literacy in your own communities, whether it's in your own mm-hmm. family, in your own home. But start book clubs or just read with your kids. Um, yeah. And if you don't, if you're one of those people whose reading is really hard, your mm. literacy levels have been a big challenge. I would highly recommend just keep trying. Just keep reading. The best way to grow as a reader is just to keep reading. And even if you don't understand the content, it will start coming. And that is like the gift of reading. It is. Your brain is so cool. So keep reading and keep trying. And don't give up on it because it is worth it. And Yeah. And that's the gift of libraries and librarians too. Mm -hmm. Um, And inside those libraries, there are computers. And here's a hot tip. Some of the books I didn't read in high school, I went straight to Spark Notes. Yeah, and a lot of these books have Spark Notes. Yeah, so true. So if you that kind of that yes. dissect it for you, yeah, and help you understand. Yeah, while you read, go to Spark Notes. Use whatever tools help mm. you understand, and it you will improve so fast. Mm-hmm. I I promise you that. Absolutely, for sure. Well, yeah. Like, you, oh yeah. Go for it. Oh. I was just going to say that, like, and I like, I loved what William Golding said too, that like your interpretation is just as valid as other people and mm-hmm. people, people's interpretations. And I think a lot of the time art in quotation mark, marks, just meaning like all media is sometimes seen as like an insider's club where like, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And I'm like, well, just like watch a movie and like, what did you get out of it? Like, just like tell mm-hmm. me or like read this book and like, what did you like, what do you think this is about? Cause like what you think is relevant. Mm-hmm. And like, it's um like, you're already in the club if you're sharing what you think. Like that's yeah. like, it's, that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a skill definitely. you can practice. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It's a skill you can yeah. practice. And on that point, I just, um I'm taking, I'm, I'm reading a textbook that I am not enjoying at all right now, but I'm still, <laughs> le- but I'm still learning things from it. It's about neurobiology in the brain. That's oh what gosh. neuro is. I don't know why I said in the brain. Sorry. Um, my point is, <laughs> is that, um, a cool thing is that um, we have in the last decade or so discovered, like the last two decades, we've discovered that the adult brain is a lot more plastic than we thought it was, which is really good. So like Ooh, before, awesome. before we thought that like you had to be get certain, like you learn a lot better as a kid than you do as an adult because of the way that your neurons work. And that is still true, but we have discovered that our adult brains do produce new neurons when before there was a, we thought that like you had all of the neurons that you were ever going to have like as a kid anyways. So, um, that is just a little science corner and you're on burn this book to let you, to let you know that you can learn and grow still as an adult, however old you are. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, and also reach out to us if you're looking for resources and we'll respond. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we know things, but we can do some research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do some research. Yeah. And, but uh, just another, going back to me mentioning SparkNotes, um, yes. another another plug for SparkNotes. I do think I was at a lower literacy level growing up because growing up in uh, English it, as a second language household. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with my older sister where uh, she grew up mostly in Hong Kong uh, in an English school. So she had the education to learn how to read things mm-hmm. versus me. My mom was reading to us, not in Cantonese, but in English. And I think the literacy level 
her literacy level affected our literacy mm. um, because she couldn't describe what was happening to uh, in the books that she was reading to us. Mm. Um, so a lot of my high school years, I remember talking to Greg um, a couple years ago. I was just like, I think I was stupid in <laughs> in middle school and high school because like a lot of times people would mention things and I'd be like, I don't understand. I understand now that's not stupidity. It's just like a, a lower, just a lack of literacy um, that I had. And so uh, Sparknotes saved my butt in, awesome. in AP Lang and AP yeah. Lit because I was like, I literally have no idea what the heck is going on in this book. Um, and yeah, Sparknotes just laid it out pretty plainly. So I was like, okay, I understand. I can now write and say about this book. <laughs> but sure. that's a really good point because, yeah, most of our, a lot of the books we do read in our schools are, do have references that are biblical or from a Western, white, Anglo, mm-hmm. whatever perspective with a lot of different like allusions, stuff like Beowulf and things that are not as commonly referenced in other cultures and communities. So, yeah, that's a that's a really good point that we didn't even reference. So yes, reference is useful just for those. Mm-hmm, for sure. I, I don't have anything else to say other than this was so wonderful. And I thought, I'm so grateful that you ever want to be on this. Oh, Seriously. man, I love, yeah. uh, man, I love being on Bruno's book. It's easy. <laughs> this is great. I love <laughs> so this. Grateful. For sure. Yeah, um, anytime. Yeah, I will. I'll look at. I'll look at more of your guys' upcoming episodes and just probably like heckle you about it. But um, but I love it. And um, is there anything you want to plug, Micah? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I have a music criticism channel on uh TikTok and uh I didn't know and um and Instagram. That's what it's called. Um, called Duck Duck Critic. You can find me at Duck Duck Critic and um just reviewing music albums and have a band called Prince duck, um, that you can stream our album. That's out this, that's came out this year, anywhere that you listen to music, Spotify, Apple music or Deezer or any of the other streaming. So on Deezer, we're big on, we're not big on Deezer, but we are on there. Um, so, (laughs) um, but yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and catch me on, uh, burn this book when I show up because uh and keep and keep on listening. Burn this book is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Wen. Music by myself, Nicole, and performed by my dad, Frank. <laughs>